Well, you know what they say, better late than never. I guess that applies to releasing a podcast, as well as menstruation. Sorry, ex-girlfriends. Welcome to a new year of the Pointless Podcast! Oh, the same old bullshit you've come to know and fast-forward through. But it's, it's a new year, so it's somehow new. Although this first podcast out the gate, it's a blast from a cannon that was recorded in 2015... Oh, uh, our release schedule got a little messed up. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I did a huge disservice to my guest today, who is Chris Kasich, an old friend of mine, a writer, director, producer, uh, just a, a talented powerhouse of filth. Uh, he created a movie, a Christmas movie, a holiday-themed film. What perfect time for me to release this cast than January. Uh, it's a movie called Uncle Nick. It stars uh, Brian Posehn. Uh, it was written by uh, Mike Dembski, a mutual friend of ours who was a writer on X-Play. There's a lot of G4 nostalgia and direct discussion dripping throughout this here podcast, so I think you're going to like it. Um, and apologies to Mr. Kasich for releasing it after the holidays, but there was a schedule shift and a thing and a sponsorship and a whatever else, and there we go. I've said enough. So uh, this is the Pointless Podcast with Chris Kasich. Uh, talking about Uncle Nick. I do want to say this, though. Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a happy holiday. Hope you had a great time. I had a fucking blast. I don't know if you follow me on the socials, but I went to Brosta Rica, baby. Hashtag, slash tag, Brosta Rica. Went there with uh, super producer Yaniv Fatucci, who you may know from the attack streams. We spent 10 days with no agenda. We bought some plane tickets. We landed, and we said, we will just figure this shit out, which threw so many hurdles at us and yet every time said hurdles were leapt and in the process of leaping them would introduce us to people and experiences and shady guys like Cocaine Tony and amazing couples like uh, Jeff and Keisha uh, further confirming something that I had suspected all along but it is the people not the places that is it. And yeah, granted, some places have better people. And don't get me wrong, the sunsets were amazing. The humidity was perfect. The ocean felt like bathwater. But it is really the people. And it was a journey uh, that reminded me of that and brought me great clarity with that. So I also want to start off the year by thanking all of you fine folks who are listening to this. If you subscribe, if you write a review, if you follow us, twitch.tv slash the attack. If you're on my Instagram, Kevper, maybe you're on my Twitter. At the attack. No, it's not the attack. It's just at attack. It's even easier. At attack. Or I've been on the Snapchat game like mad lately, and that will probably last for another 48 hours. So if you have Snapchat, follow me there. Attack Snap. The point is, if you somehow interact with me, if you somehow allow me to come into your life, whether it's your ear holes or your eye holes, uh, maybe you let me dip into your bank account because you back it on Patreon. I want to say thank you. Again, it's the people, not the places. And it's the people in this world that have allowed me to be saying these things and be doing these things uh, that I am forever indebted to. And I appreciate it. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on that in Brosta Rica while lit on a thousand different substances underneath some amazing sunsets and uh, full moon parties. Uh, wow. It was a lot of time to just really soul search, dive deep, and get down to that core, which is, man, it really is the people. So this is uh, me saying thank you for allowing me to exist in the way that I do. I hope you had a phenomenal holiday, an amazing new year. I hope 2016 is filled with all sorts of whimsy for you. We're going to get back at this. I'm going to knock the dust off. This is uh, one from the archives of December of 2015, but it might be new to you. Probably is if you're listening to this. Here it is, the Pointless Podcast with Chris Kasich. This podcast should be America. 110%. Fuck 
We have so much to talk about. I don't know what the topics are, though. I know we have a lot to talk about, and that's what concerns me. I don't know what it is specifically. Do you want me to drive, or do you want to drive? I feel like Jesus is taking the wheel on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you have a specific agenda, and I'm totally okay with that. I, Am I wrong? Did somebody tip you off? Did somebody talk to you? No. What? <laughs> Holy shit, you do have an agenda? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I, I debated an agenda, though. With, with, with who? Who? With Dembski? No. No. Who? Jerry. Oh, yeah? A long time ago. What was the agenda going to be? Extra, like G4 shit? Yeah. G4 yeah, stuff. okay. All right. Wow, the debate was that heated that it ended with you. You can't even discuss what the agenda might have been. No. <laughs> Are we good to go, Alex? All right. Um, well, fuck it. We'll get into it. Writer, director, producer, raconteur, digital renaissance man. You want to keep good. going? That's yeah. Good. What is like what's that. on the business card these days? Is that all that on director, there? Director, yeah. Director, producer. I think I got those. Did I not get a producer? Business cards. Uh, yeah, those things still exist, right? I still I have when them. When you bump I people. Them. I have them, though. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're tuning in live, hello, Twitch. Hello, patrons. Good to see you. Uh, my good buddy Chris Kasich is sitting across the table from me. I will clap for you. We'll bring back a little attack flare. Fake audience. Normally, we don't. This is, this is like attack of the show we'll all get over again. No audience, so we're going to have to try really hard, and no one can laugh at our jokes. We were just watching a clip in there of the um, – it was for At the Booties, the you know the yeah. movies, movie review of asses. And uh, – and it was funny listening to the clip back. Cause I'm like, oh, there's Bruce. There's Brian Terwilliger. This, and it, I could label everybody that's in the studio by their laugh, by their fake laugh. Well, we were told we were told we have to laugh and we have to cheer and we have to be louder. At gunpoint. And there were people patrolling there, <laughs> like, like trying to Come get, on, get humor going. I think a lack of a studio audience has really affected who you are, actually. Because, like, for years, you, me being on camera is, like, the most vulnerable position you can be in. hundred percent. And when you're trying to sell jokes to no one, to a camera. Tell me about it. When you're trying to, there will be no reaction. Yeah. If it's the best joke in the world, there's still no reaction. I even told Los earlier, I recorded a podcast. Andrea Lowell was in that seat and uh, you might want to sniff it. Fantastic. <laughs> you're welcome. Take five minutes. <laughs> and when we were done, I told Los, I was like, oh, I'm so glad you were in there because I heard you laugh a couple times. And that was such a breath of fresh air. It reminded me that someone's actually listening and maybe what we're saying is remotely entertaining. And that ate at me for years on Attack of the Show. I'd go home and go, fuck, I got nothing. I feel like, because not only, not only are you playing to no audience, but when you're playing to the same six fucking people every day who are definitely tired of your shit in general, but, but doubly tired of the other shit you're saying because they've written it or yeah. they've seen it rehearsed 30 times. For sure. That when you're out there, you start to question every word you say and every joke you make and every zig or zag because you're like, well, this, I don't even know if it's funny now. I have no idea. I have no reference point of if, if this is entertaining. It really creates a unique person in, in sort of who you are as a performer because this isn't normal. This isn't like for um, how many episodes did you do where yeah. no one would laugh at you? This is actually... Like a perverted <laughs> movie. Yeah. This is something that's yeah. very unique in show business that you experience with Attack of the Show. And nobody really talks about that. Everyone talks about, oh, we had so much fun yeah. back no, in the day. No, it was comedy we in a vacuum. Comic blah, blah, blah. But you were comedy in a vacuum. Yeah. And then people were, were judging it by minute-by-minute minute ratings. Yes. 
minute by minute ratings of a sample that's zero, right? And they're judging the no studio audience and nobody laughing at your joke. Bang! So like there would be like a hot girl on. Oh, spike, spike! All right, at the booties, I, it works. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do more. It really was a unique Those tapes, time. You want to talk about like watching tapes the way like fighters will watch their their, their best fights or whatever and take notes of their moves or whatever. Watching the focus group tapes from Attack of the Show were the quickest way to drive me to cutting. Like that was, I had to watch them in a bathtub filled with ice because it was just, that was at the bottom of the screen, like ticker tape. And it was just, oh, it was 14 dudes who got two stoned next to an orange Julius or a Wetzel's pretzel. And they got pulled into a focus group meeting. I don't like them. Click. This isn't funny. No one's laughing. Click. <laughs> yeah. But, but now I can bomb on stage or do a Twitch show and I don't need hey, laughs. There you go. I don't need them because I'm used to not hearing them anytime I say something that might be funny. And if you look at the success of the show, when, like, let's say the show was most successful, sure. it, was, it was when you had that dynamic of when you went off of the script and anything happened, and it was these live stunts that happened on air and stuff. It was this organic chemistry that happened live that it wasn't heard by the same writers, the same producers how many right. times before. It was this sort of controlled chaos. That was always a mashing of heads versus, hey, the train, you know, the train just left the station. Don't pull it off the tracks. I'm like, I don't think anybody, I mean, not, not to discredit any of the writing or the sketches or anything. I think the reason people love tuning in live is because they, that notion that anything might happen. And when it's a scripted might happen, you get the feeling that it's scripted versus, yeah. oh, where did they just take this bit? Where's the sketch going? They're doing what in those suits? Why are they writing rascals? Oh, this is terrible. Well, so I, I mean, I was a writer on Attack of the Show. The people, I was a writer on Attack of the Show for a, a while. And the, let's it, talk about your journey. The interesting thing about Attack of oh, the Show—that thing. Right. No, no, I don't have an agenda. That show wasn't formatted until about halfway through the show. It was just like big chunks of six minutes, eight minutes, and that didn't get formatted until Gavin, who went on to the Tonight Show, took over that. And the first thing he did was formatted the show where we're doing around the net up top. We're doing this here. We're doing that there. I mean, it was a very sort of loose ebb and flow before. And once we that structure was created and then you and Olivia sort of lived in that space, mm -hmm. that's when you got the freedom to do things. Well, yeah, we were coming out of being the screensavers, which was a show where you could take 10 minutes and talk about a single website and that was the segment that's what you were supposed to do you were spend 10 minutes scrolling a single website and talking about it or spending 15 minutes talking about how your weekend was which the audience that audience wanted a very specific audience wanted that you know and we were tasked with transitioning that show into attack of the show and yeah. so it was still a whole lot of well what's your damn good download for the week and it's like okay we're going to talk about a ringtone for 25 minutes. All right, let's do it. Can we make a green screen sketch out of it? Great. What are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. Yeah. Another one of those? It was a special time. It was a great time, man. It was a good boot camp. How did you get even How did you even get started on the show? I got started I was writing for E, uh the live <laughs> events. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I knew that then, but I don't I, I was that writing now. for the live events of E and then I was working with the segment producer Christian Hansen who then was a frat buddy of Gavin Purcell's. And so then he got me into interview with Gavin and then I got hired right. And this is like right after Olivia got hired and the show was transitioning into that next phase that it sort of became. And so I came on within the first two months of Olivia being on and then at the old G4 and then was in this transition sort of period into the show. And what did you think? I mean, what were, what was your lay of the land when you first got started? I didn't like you at first. <laughs> That's fair.
but <laughs> that's usually the gut reaction. No, because but because I thought you were trying too hard was because you had no studio audience. I didn't mm. I didn't piece it all together, and I and you were I thought very aggressive and everything you know abrasive, aggressive. And I was like, wow, like, how am I ever going to get along with this guy, you know? And I was like, your head writer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but you quickly won me over because then I realized that you were the guy who was out there trying to sell our shit. I'm trying shit. to sell whatever, whatever's whatever, on the shelf. Yeah. I'm going to try to fucking sell it. You were selling it better and harder than any of us. And I was like, oh, wow, that guy's taking the rap for that bad joke I wrote. That's like, <laughs> he's an all right guy in the end. He's okay. Like no one's gonna know I wrote. He sold that. my misogyny and my my racism. That's cool. He I, got it out there. I wrote, and looking back at the time when we were doing this, I remember I, like it was after Hurricane Katrina, and I wrote a cold open to this show that I look back on. I, I'd be horrified. It, it, it was about it was about the name Katrina, and there was like another hurricane that, and it wasn't an African American name. And I wrote this thing, and no one batted an eye, and you and Olivia just said it out there. Of course, it got no laughs or anything. But looking back, I, I'd be I'd be mortified. Yeah. To, 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 to that that got on the air back then. There are so many. I mean, there's big tentpole things, certain episodes or specials or stunts where I look back and I cringe that that got through my guard, but everyone's guard. You know, like I, I'm I'm offended and 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 regret that my filter didn't catch it. But what were we gonna do? Because we were just talking about this before we sat yeah. down. It's like, okay, let's say the Katrina bit came through and we saw it, and someone raised the racist flag or whatever the misogynist flag or the homophobic flag, or any yeah. of the flags that could have flown at any time, someone would have looked at it and gone like, okay, well, we can't use this. Well, shit, we'll go live in about 30 seconds. And you had a, there was what, four writers? Not even to start. Probably not at the there time. Was two. There yeah. was two when I started. So what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Now nah, let it, it fly. Was, we it got another just, one tomorrow. It was really fly by the seat of your pants and just getting a show together and everything. And then they expanded the staff and everything. Yeah. And then it, 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 things got better, you know, like within the show, it, it got better. And uh, the writing got better and the sketches got better. And then you and Olivia got better. Like you guys, like, you know, a great comedy team. We figured it out somewhere yeah. along the way. Yeah. That you, there, there's why, a smile. Why, why has, why, I was like, there's a smile why, there. And why like, hasn't Olivia been on this show? I have not asked her to be on the show. Why not? Because we are not really friends. That's not right, though. You should be friends. Well, we're not, though. It's, what, why is that not right? You guys right? have to repair. You Maybe guys have we will to, someday. I don't but know not... what happened or what, what happened. Sure. What happened? A lot happened. Tell me. A lot. I don't know that this is the right place to disclose it. Not that I have a problem disclosing it, but there's there's two involved there. You know what I mean? So if it were to get disclosed, I think it should be her saying it with me so we can reconcile the various stories. As, as a writer on the show, yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about Olivia. And and when I was at there, it was she – there was an energy that she gave you mm -hmm. that it created that was this sort of magical thing that sort of happened when it was – to this small, lightning in a bottle to this small little world that watch the show who apparently all work for you now <laughs> it's weird it's it's phenomenal to me when i go around and there's there's no shortage of people that go oh hey i spent not 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 only did i watch the show i spent every fucking afternoon with you whether i was getting home from school what? or getting off a job and having shots or or ripping bowls or whatever yeah, they totally. they people weren't just like casual viewers of attack they lived it 
Olivia was nothing but good to the writers, at, at least to me. And it was even like when I when it all ended for me, she called and it was it was, it was this, you know, a genuine nice person. And then she got famous and she got really famous. Yeah. And now, really, I mean, the legacy of, of Attack of the Show first goes through her like she's out there like she's in the lead of the lead in x-men you know yeah. it's just like repair it man let's bring her, like, put <laughs> it together. like come on yeah i don't i'm not i i don't know i don't feel like I, I, one day that may happen but i don't feel like i don't feel the motivation to necessarily do that i shot her an email um actually i shot her an email right after uh peru i went to peru last year and did a bunch of ayahuasca and uh oh yeah it's a whole that's a wow. whole other thing wow but i was like look there's still some i don't want any gunk in my engine and there's a lot of buildup from the few years that i spent with her especially towards the end because things were not so pleasant towards the end for a lot of people uh myself i'll speak for myself they weren't for me and so i shot an email like very plain very simple but kind of put out where i was there and said what i needed to say and, and opened the door to like hey i love you i'll give you know like i do love you like, despite whatever, you're a human being, I'm a human being, I love you to death, and good luck with your path. No reply. Now, I don't know if she got the email. I don't need to know if she got the well, email. I sent it for you. me. Why would she be pissed at I me? I feel like the Brett Ratner interview was a little unfair. Oh, interesting. You do? I don't know that I, from her. Oh, I haven't talked to I her. I called her after that interview. I, I thought it was... I called her to give her the heads up that that interview was coming. Yeah. You know? Um, she, she believes that that interview was motivated because I was thinking about ratings. That that was going through my head. And I'm like, if you knew me, you knew I never once gave a <laughs> second fucking about thought about ratings or business. I don't think it was about ratings so much. I mean, what was like, who, well, that's what, like, yeah, did I think we we're going to spike go through, no, and chart? It wasn't about like, no, ratings, it was a no. guest who came on and had a was, very specific it was request. It was a juicy thing to talk about. That's all he wanted to talk about. When oh, he was I didn't there. know that. Oh, yeah. I called him out on I that, too. I didn't know that. When he showed up, he's like, I want to talk about this. Sean Jordan brought him the book because I heard about it. He read the passage. Like, Sean Jordan? This is what I want to talk saying, about. Why don't you talk about it? I don't it? think so. I don't think so. And look, at the time, I'm sure a lot of people would have, and probably myself included, it's hard to put myself back there, but that in, an ounce of, there might have been some spite behind it as well. Like, go ahead and say what you have to say. You know, go ahead. Because we, none of us said a single negative thing about her publicly whatsoever towards the end. So. There may have been a bit of that as well, but it was his request. He came in and was like, I want to talk about this. I want to ask, I want to specifically mention these things. I have a story that I want to tell. So that was me catering to the guest. Yeah. You know, and, and I called her up after. I was like, hey, that was a rough interview. That wasn't so great. You know, yada, yada. But when she shot back, and we, and we were not on good terms before that interview, to be clear, it wasn't raw roses. But she shot back with, this was uh, a calculated move. You put business before friendship and you did this for ratings etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like well that's absolutely not my headspace it's never been my headspace with attack i just want to have a good time make interesting compelling television that was it does she feel like an ex-girlfriend no no she I mean, doesn't feel like an ex-girlfriend but it, i mean it's obviously there's like a personal thing this isn't business well uh, no no not at all does i live like family yeah i was gonna say the probably the close like i never understood having a sister but I think Olivia was the closest to that because I never thought of her like in a, in a sexual, physical way. Mm -hmm. You know, like dudes, I know dudes that have like hot sisters, like you never thought about, I'm like, dude, that's my sister. I'm like, yeah, but you know, sister shower, you know, and drop cams can find a way, you know what I'm saying? And they were like, oh, they're repulsed. That's my sister. Uh -huh. I never had a sister. So I didn't have that yeah. mentality, but 
people would always approach me with Olivia that way. Like, what, you've never thought about Olivia like that? I'm like, God, no, are you kidding me? She's like, she's like a sister to me. Do you think She of- lived with me for months. She had a, a breakup that I left her to let her live with me. I've seen Olivia at the highest highs and the lowest lows, and she's seen me that way as well. So we were as close as two people can be, but. I remember your first fight. With Olivia? Yeah. Yeah? It was over MySpace friends. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was who had more MySpace friends. <laughs> that sounds like a it good... Got, it got really it got really ugly. That sounds like a good fight to get into. It was it was a read through. It was me, you uh, me, Jim Downs, and you two, and you guys like went at it. It was like the first because you're still new coworkers and you went at it together. That's amazing. Yeah. Wait, who had more MySpace friends? I'm sure she did at the time. No, you did, but she was race. She was new. She oh, yeah. was, and so she well, was she didn't racing. want to get on MySpace. I was like, yeah. Olivia, you got to get on MySpace. And she's like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I was like, telling you, you got to get on this thing. You want Tom? Get Tom smiling at you in his thumbnail. So that's interesting to hear that we got in a fight about I'm a, that. I can't wait for when she comes and sits in this chair. A lot of people and, can't and wait it. for that. A lot of people can't wait for that. But I can. I'm not in any rush for that. I don't believe you. I, I, I really, I, I think this eats away at you. No, they're wrong. 100% wrong. It eats away at me. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. It, I it feel, doesn't. It feels like, you know, it's like, it's like part of, you know, our past and the show. And like, oh, sure. and like we would fight every day to make you guys look so good, you know? And like, I'm sorry, like that was such a giant to... boulder to push up a hill. No, but <laughs> it, it, it was the, you know, the, the, how hard that show was. Of course For it was tough. For a lot of reasons, you know? Like, you guys are like the brother and sister. Well, and I think, it got, I think it got unnecessarily difficult towards the end in a way that, that, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. You know, I'm not proud of things that I did or said by any stretch. I'm not blaming you. No, yeah. No, I'm, but I'm, I'm saying that there's two sides to fucking every story, you know? Of course. Uh, and so, and in the middle somewhere lies that truth. But in that gray will someday come to light or it won't. But I really don't, it doesn't keep me up at night. I've never woken up in a flop sweat and been like, man, I got to have that podcast. <laughs> I need that closure. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't. I know, like I said, I, when, you, when you literally live with someone, Plus host with them each and every day. When we were looking for like who's the next host is going to be, I remember I was really adamant about not picking anybody right away. I was like, There's, let's not rush this search. The ratings are going up. People are having a good time. Let's not rush this. And in the room, some exec looked over and was like, fucking Kevin, chill. It's not like you're marrying this person. And they said it so flippantly. Like, it's not like you're choosing a bride to be. And I'm like, that shows the fucking disconnect in this room. You don't understand what it's like. To host a daily live television show for with someone for an hour a day, it's it's more commitment than marriage. Like this is this is your work. This is yeah. personal and professional all in one. So I had a very intimate relationship with her, and it just it didn't work towards the end. When she left, did you see her value more when she left, and you, they were trying to sort of recast her in a poor way, where it, like. Yes and no. I mean, there was such a, I think things were, the, the, the attitude and the attitude was so negative. I think people were so yeah. damaged and there was just, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I think people, people, it was easy to let that cloud. It was almost like anybody, but, you know, that was sort of the mentality. So it was easy to let that cloud. But like, I don't like we had a, we had a clearly had a chemistry and a vibe that I, I haven't found sense in a co-host. you know? So there's, Clearly I think she that. looked up to you for, you know, she looked up to you and, and you, you were there, you were that rock solid thing. And when she was finding herself comedically and as an actress, you know, you were this rock solid thing on the show and she, she looked up to you on it. That's how I saw it, you know? And then she got really good and got really famous. 
mm-hmm. you know, and now she's, you know, off and running. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, and I'm happy. Like, I'm happy for yeah. her. I don't need, like, I, I, but it's the notion that it gnaws away. Uh, that hit a chord with you, huh? When I well, said no, it's just interesting because I believe you. You're a sincere guy, so I think you, you believe It would gnaw at me. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it like, would no, I'm telling me. you, it's, it doesn't. It would be, I would want to, yeah. like, to settle that. It's the number one ask of anybody that sees this thing, that's of course. That's the problem. They're like, they're like hey, that's when are you going to do it? When that's, are you going to make it happen? That's why it's like, uh, I feel like it would gnaw away because it's like the elephant in the room. Yeah, but not, but not. <laughs> it is. It is if you want it to be. It's just not. I'm in a different room now. I like my room. I'm happy in my room. And, and you know, I guess the door would be open. If she wanted to come on, that'd be fine. But it's not something I'm seeking out because it's not something I need, you know? I hear you, man. If she were like, hey, I need this, I would do it for her. But, you know, I think that's where it's at. Interesting. It's an interesting story that's like a developing story so. people always are like man the book on g4 that's going to be a wild one because people early on yeah. even even pre you people were like this is like this is like going to be mtv in the early 80s i'm like no way mtv in the early 80s was crazy and now looking <laughs> back on it i'm like oh fuck that was crazier than mtv it in was the early crazy 80s. it was insane g in the early days of g4 it was the kind of place where at five o'clock the clickety clack of keyboards would stop for five minutes lights would shut off then the clickety-clack would start up again because everybody was playing Call of Duty against each other. And then you'd play until midnight, and then you'd go to somebody's downtown loft party in L.A., and <laughs> HR would come running out of the bathroom with cocaine just dripping out of their nose. And you're like, what the fuck is this? What is this place? Like, what is going on? That was, I didn't have that experience. I know, because by the time you joined, it had calmed down a little bit and got a little more, a little I, more corporate. But I remember when they had the big G4 party at Comic-Con, and they didn't invite any of the people who worked on the show to it. Yes. And, it was, <laughs> and it was just supposedly like the, you know, the executive producers and the, the, the EPs and then the talent. Right. And then I snuck into the party, and it was just like a bunch of fat girls in cosplay who were there. And I was Ooh. like that's who showed up to it you know because they like put out like an invite to try to get all these cool people and it was just all these like fat chicks who just showed up like and i was just like okay whatever like that that that, this sums it all up and and to be chris can say this as a former fat chick chris can say this you were a very fat fat chick i used to be uh, i used to be 300 so let's talk about the journey to you now yeah man like i i've so you know, I did. Here's, ta- here's what I did. You did attack the show for a while. Then you left. There was left. some weird. There was some weird stuff surrounding that. Which... Well, they cut your staff in half uh, halfway yeah, but... through the show, and then I got laid off. And that whole story is pretty dramatic of how they laid off everyone. They, they, they went around. They went around to. They laid off half the. St- Nobody gets. Does anybody even care about attack the That's show? That's all people care about. They, they in that's the, it in the at the height of attack of the show at least creatively you know a little bit right after it all of a sudden they cut all you know, must not have been the height because they start cutting and so they 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 go around we wrap the show and then all of a sudden the EPs tapped everyone on the shoulder and they said go into this room or go into that room <laughs> and so I was like okay. I'm going to go into the room they told me to go yeah. into. They both have showers. One's going to be a little gassier yeah. than the other. I was, you know, I, I was punctual. So I was the first guy in the room. So right. I, I get into this room and I'm sitting in the room. And then all of a sudden, like the show producer comes in, Emily. I'm like, ah, oh, that's the show producer. Like, you know, everything's cool. We had got wind that there may be layoffs because yeah, I was going to say, let's the 10,000 foot view is that the axe was always swinging yes. at G4. There was always a, oh, tomorrow's the last day. I found a blueprint by the copier and our desks aren't even on it anymore. There was yes. always a weird thing, but this was at a time where that was that was DEFCON one. Like it was 
ultimate high level, like, oh, shit's going to go down. X plays getting a big cut. Yes. We're getting a big haircut. This is going to happen. So you guys know that there's two different rooms, well, X, and you must be sizing up. X which... play got laid off earlier in the day. Right. And so we knew it was coming. You knew it's coming. Yeah. So you're looking around going like, well, which room am I in? Am I in well, the... Well, so uh... I, I, I get into the room. I'm the first guy in the room. And then all of a sudden, like, the, the show producer comes in and she's... I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, they're not going to get rid of her. And then, like, one of the senior segment producers comes in. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, but that guy, nobody really likes that guy. So that's a little weird. And then all of a sudden, like, the post coordinator comes in. I'm like, oh, that's, like, not good. Because I've been hearing that they may be wanting to replace him. And then a PA came I was like, in. who's the canary in the coal mine? It was the PA. It was, I'll name names. Jeff Moon walks in. And Jeff Moon <laughs> is the, the coolest guy. And he has a great <laughs> YouTube channel. I love Jeff Moon. But I knew they were trying to get rid of him for a while. And all of a sudden, Jeff Moon walks in. I'm like, oh, my God. The whole room is just, The whole room gasps. <laughs> go, as soon as poor Jeff Moon walks in, we go, oh, we're gone. And then it was like, oh, a, a poor group. Jeff Moon. Yeah, he loves the publicity. And then... <laughs> They laid everybody off right then and there, you know? It was like, a, it was, it was a, uh, but as like, at, for the show, I felt like I sort of, I left that experience fine. I got, you know, there was like the severance and then I, I started working on a project, but then you guys carried on for another two years until your death and you, they'd half your staff. Yeah. And they wanted you to do the same amount of work. Uh, sometimes more. And that was sometimes more. That was, that was, that's an impossible thing. But I left that experience and I was like, I'm going to go make a film. Right. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to put but this together. You, wait, didn't you go on a, like a trading ship or like some boat or something? That, that was probably why they, that was probably why they laid me. I was gone for like two months. Right. I was like, going around the world with my friend and we were uh, on a cargo ship writing a script that never got made, but we were, we were gone and I was gone for two months before and then I come back. And so what do I expect really? And, <laughs> <laughs> so then you decided I'm going to make a feature. I'm going to make a feature. And I, um, I, I was approached by my, it was my cousin, my second cousin. And this guy Bo Ballinger, who's in the movie, he plays uh, Cody in the in this. I made a movie, Uncle Nick, and uh, he approached me and he said, "Hey, man, like you know, I think I have some. Uh, I, I know an investor, and then we can make a movie." And you're like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah. I hear that three times a <laughs> yeah, day while whatever. in line at Aroma. Fantastic. <laughs> to that's get my that's a great story, yeah. you know. And he's like, "No, it's for real, you know." And like Bo was acting and stuff, and I was like digging what he was doing out in L.A. And so I was like, "All right, maybe." And so like we wrote up like you know like investor letters and all did all the paperwork and everything and then you know a year goes by and you know i forget about it and uh, uh literally a year from when I, I met this mystery investor i go to my mailbox and i open up a check and there's a huge check a six-figure check out of nowhere there's no warning it was coming from, was from like, a Russian bank, and, I was and like, it's blood scrawled on it. That doesn't happen. I was like, "Holy moly!" The fuck was and that? I, I call my cousin. I'm like, "He's like, I told you, I told you." And so it happened again a year later, another round of this. And so all of a sudden, we had some seed money here. I mean, there was a lot of work for this proposal to get it to the place where it was. It, well, I'm, I'm painting it as this magical thing that right. happened. Um, you had to clearly pack it was some a lot. drugs across it was the border a lot of, from what you're saying no, to was, get a fucking check in the mail like that it with was, no warning. It was a lot of work to okay. do this, uh, to get it to this point. But it, when it came, it was a, just a big and surprise. Was it all the pitch for this movie? No. No. It was another movie. We were going to go to the Philippines, Apocalypse Now style, and like blow up hillsides. <laughs> 
like I, I went there and I went down the same river in Apocalypse Now and I'm like 300 pounds. I'm like ready to die. And like, or I'm in the middle of the jungle. We're going to make this Roger Corman type movie where we're going to blow up hillsides. And we'd interviewed like animal trainers where the guy's like, if you want to kill this water buffalo, it's $50. You can blow it up. I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Like, like you get at helicopters. I'm right. like, you know, I was like, you know, 20 something. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go to the Philippines and Francis Ford Coppola style and like, you know, burn the jungle. Right. And then when it became a reality and the, the, there was, there was some finance so behind it. Said that, I was like, Whoa, no, 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 no. You were so American. Not, you were riding a hamburger while shooting a, a shotgun shaped like an Eagle into well, the air. As you were thinking that there's a documentary. It's the, the making of apocalypse yeah. now oh, hearts of darkness. Yeah. And that, that was like a really sort of uh, a foundation for me, like in high school. And I loved it. And like, I wanted to go do that. You know, I wanted to go crazy in the jungle. But when it became a reality and I went out there for a month and I was like, oh, man, that's not so fun. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have come back. Right. I was 300 pounds. I was sweating. I would be sweating right now. Like, I wouldn't have come back. And so then it was like, okay, I need to develop a screenplay idea. And then the writer of X-Play at the time is Mike Dembski, who I knew for, you know, since I was a kid. You know, we played Little League together. And... It was December 2012, and it was December 26th, and I remember it. And I had talked to him about some screenplay ideas, but nothing was really clicking. And he goes, hey, you know, look at this. This is when, like, BuzzFeed was just launching. He goes, look at this blog that they put together of these tweets. And it was all these girls on December 26th talking about how their drunk uncles were hitting on them. And it was hilarious, but yet also really fucked up and creepy. Right. And... It was like a dozen of them. And Which I was like, in the Venn diagram that is your humor, that's yeah. the sweet spot. That's the case like, zone. There may be something here. And Hilarious, so, fucked up, and creepy. And so then I started talking to like to, to girls I worked with and everything. And they're like, yeah, you know, my uncle's weird. So basically, if, you're like your, if you have an uncle who's like in his late 40s or in 50s who's still single, he's creepy. And just whatever way that is, he's fucking creepy. God, I can't wait to be that uncle. I'm almost there, man. Yeah. It's like... You start becoming creepy or whatever. So Mike, you know, came to me with this idea. And I was like, you know, there's something to this. You know, we make a Christmas movie about this, you know, this idea. And so he, you know, we developed it a little more. We added this sort of documentary element to it. And then he went away and wrote it and we came back and, you know, revised the script, went on it. And we created this movie called Uncle Nick. And it, it's, it's. And this a, was how many years ago? This was 2012, 2013-ish. Okay. So that was, what is it, almost 2016 yeah. now. So that was, that was a while back to, to get. And so I had the script, and it was starting, we had to piece it together. And the story, I mean, this is like a fucked up story. It's about a, you know, a drunk uncle that goes to his family Christmas gathering and tries to fuck his stepneys. This is a dark movie. This is an anti-Christmas movie. This is sick, sad, and funny and we're mixing comedy with creepiness. We're talking American beauty and ghost world and middle age creepiness, you know, a dystopian Christmas, just like horrifying, sad. And, and we, and Mike went there in the script. He, it's barfing, it's nudity, it's, it's there. We own this lowbrow genre. Right. Like we weren't, we weren't going to try to straddle and make like, you know, a wacky comedy that takes place. Like this is, this is some dark stuff. And that's what we like. 
<laughs> I know that's, that's what you like. That's what I like. Yeah. That's the that, that's the world I sort of want to live in in this lowbrow, gross world. And maybe it's but so also, lowbrow it becomes something better. Right. Maybe, but also grounded in a in a in a in a pit of reality. Like there are seeds of reality because we all know that person. We, every family has that uncle. Everybody, you know, yeah. whether it's the uncle or the great uncle, the step uncle, who knows? Like it's there's still a thread of truth to Total every truth. fucking scene, which is nerve wracking about it and it's like if you don't come from most families aren't happy i think really like you know there's like the appearance of the happiness but yeah. like when you go back most families are fucked up mom and dad are dying and you're you're, you're blaming them for it and like this and that and like it's fucked up and when you when and if you look at like the history of Christmas movies, like it's a wonderful life it's actually a really sad movie a Christmas carol is a ghost story i love gremlins that's not the happiest movie and it, there's this like this like fucked up Christmas movie genre that's mm -hmm. out there, and everyone just thinks, oh, bad Santa and stuff. But there's really not so many that just like own this like low sort of anti Santa movie. Right. And so when we were writing it, we were you know we were calling in all favors, and one of the writers at G4 was Jerry Duggan, and Jerry Duggan would write Deadpool with Brian Posehn, and we're like, well, we know we can get it to Brian Posehn because Jerry would do us you know, a favor and get it to him, and so we started writing the script with Brian Posehn in mind, right. of like this deadpan awkwardness, weirdness. The guy's like six foot seven, three hundred pounds, a real fucking weirdo, right? Like you've interviewed him, like, but like hilarious like yeah. one of my favorite actors like growing up watching mr show and and he just shoot me like yeah. i i, I love sarah Brian silverman Posehn. he was great too sarah silverman Phenomenal. was great and so it was about this idea of like taking his personality and crafting it and so the the movie is like this these three elements of sick sad and funny and this balance and it was trying to see if brian could do that you know sick making something sick is like pretty easy actually that's why a lot of horror movies mm -hmm. uh making something funny is very hard that's why like a good comedy is rare but and sadness is complex because it's based on someone's personal experience i knew brian could do sick because he his, his stand-up comedy in the fartest he's funny so i know he could do funny but it was could he go to sad could he do this role could he go into this darkness and this deepness and that was the challenge of all of this and, and getting him on board to do it. He read 10 pages. He called and said, I'm going to do it. And then pieced together the cast. Brian was a producer on it. And we were off and running on making this movie. And it was, it was a whirlwind of a production and piecing this together. When you're making an independent movie, especially a very small one, I'm not talking about like an independent movie with Jared Leto in it, right? I'm talking about like an, a, a, a one with Brian Posehn in it. Like, it is the hardest thing in the world because inevitably everyone ends up not liking you because you have to push everyone so hard right. to do it and you can't give up because it's so easy to give up on cuts. And so I was editing this movie for two years, you know, and it was continual cuts. Continu I showed you a cut like a year ago. I was going to say, I saw it a year and a half, if not more It's ago. way better now. Is it? Yeah, it was good when I watched it. It was great. Yeah, it's, 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 it, it like takes on this life of its own the more you refine and the more you not give up. And you, it's really easy to, to like throw in the towel and say, all right, that's what it is. But when you know it could be something else and you just got to push, 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 go, go, go. And more, that's more, you more. leading that charge. That's me. There's nobody else. There's no one else leading the charge. So through the journey of this film, what happened to you personally? Because you can't commit to something that, that, uh, with that level of intensity 
and that that much commitment no. and that much consistency without something else giving. A plate must yes. have fallen. When I started this, I was 300 pounds. I was uh, in a bad relationship, and I was unemployed. And me personally, I mean, this is a lot. I go to therapy every week, so I love therapy. My, my therapist, Janice, and I have been talking about this for years. It's this idea of checking in, right, and rising to the occasion. This movie is like my extended bar mitzvah. It's becoming a man, really, you know. It's, it's been a process because it's facing everything, you know. It's, it's really easy to complain about, like, productions or shows, attack of the show. Oh, this sucks. It's really hard when you're leading it and you're trying to do it. Like, what you're doing here, which is exactly what you should be doing, is your own thing, you know. And, and like that's really hard to do that. And I had to face a lot personally. And so, you know, I started this production of, of, of on doing it and really had to face a lot of personal stuff that I went through a transformation on it. You know, I, I'm a really a completely different person from when I started it to where I'm at now, you know, and I started dating my producer on the movie, which was, so you're not that much of a different person. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really change that much. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, well, because uh, I want to, I want to talk more about that personal journey. But I do. It's. I, I did read an article where Posehn. It was interesting to see his perspective on it. Was I'm. I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride, sort of thing. Of like, no one's ever asked me to own a thing, to lead a thing, to be that that starring role. And that he was almost. He didn't even want to read it because he couldn't be. That was too much for him at the time. Yeah. At least I, I, I'm. I'm paraphrasing no, terribly that's exactly. but that was like the gist for him was that he was even avoiding the script he didn't know if he could do it so to hear he got 10 pages in and was like oh yeah let's do the, it the joke with brian is he walks into the room and he gives a stare and that's the joke like because he's he's very unique looking yeah. and he has that look right and if you ever go out in public with brian people just stare at him <laughs> because some of them know who he is but the other people they know they know him, but they don't know how they know him kind of thing. Right. And they're just staring at him. You know, we were going through the airport, and I couldn't believe it. Everyone's just stopping and staring at him. And then, like, all the... the like, is he just used to it? Yeah, well, then, or is he oblivious to it? But then the weird part is, is, like, four or five, like, really hot girls came up to him and said they were such fans of his. And I was like, Brian, I didn't know your fans were look like this. And he's like, yeah, sometimes they do. And I think it's a Sarah Silverman effect, you know, yeah. that these girls are fans of Sarah Silverman. But yeah, like getting Brian, like as a, as a as a young filmmaker, like that idea of taking someone like Brian Posehn and trying to get him to do something that he's never done. I love that challenge. I love that idea. And, you know, and that's what we try to do is like, OK, let's go dark and let's go dramatic with Brian Posehn and see if he can go there. And he owned this like like he was to an acting coach for for like months before this and and knew it all. In this. And then he put together the cast and he got, you know, uh, through Jerry Duggan too, Padgett Brewster on it and uh, Scott Adsit and Missy Pyle. And then the girl in, in, in it, Malia Renee, that's an interesting story because I had gone to a casting director. There's like the young niece who the uh, uncle Nick is trying to, to, to get yeah. that thing. You know, I'd go, Brian told me very early on of this young actress named Leah Renee. And he's like, she's great, blah, blah, blah. And he like sent me her pictures. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Whatever. You know? Um, and I went to a casting director and did like a round of auditions, like famous girls and stuff. And there were some really good ones and stuff. And then Brian comes back and, he, and again, and he's like, Hey man, you got to check out this girl where this girl, the Malia was, was his babysitter. 
in real life. I was unaware of that piece of information. And I was like, Brian, you're playing a creepy character. <laughs> let's, not, let's not bring it a little bit more creepy. I don't know your dynamic with your babysitter and everything, but I don't need this. Yeah, even on paper, it sounds wrong. Sounds like a bad idea. Um, and so, I mean, she's like 20, 22 or whatever. I don't know. She's okay, like, that, yeah. that, that, that excuses it. <laughs> and so She's old enough to be someone's fetish. It's fine. We're, I'm down to like the final 10 girls in the audition. And Brian is coming to set to read. Padgett Brewster's coming to read with them. Uh, and I was like, oh, gosh, there's that girl, that babysitter girl who uh, – Brian has been, I go, you know, I'm trying to be cool with talent. I got, right. you I got to at least, have I haven't her here. even audition her. Like yeah. I should bring her. So she comes at like the day of, I thought of it. So like she comes in and she sits down and she nails this role. Like I couldn't even tell you. It was like one of those moments where you get goosebumps mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh God, like that is awesome. She stood up to Brian. Wasn't intimidating. I had Brian reading with these like 95 pound girls and it, he's like, huge and they were afraid of him i'm like this is the wrong creepiness like i need a girl who's comfortable with him and who's going to play with him right. and like she knew him she was the babysitter so she knew him and that's and having seen it like that's the thing is that despite like you you go oh he's going he's the creepy uncle who wants to fuck his stepniece or whatever yeah. so that sounds very predatory but there is a softness and a vulnerability to him at his core which shifts that whole dynamic in a way exactly. that is kind of wonderful and that's all brian like that that is like 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 I, there were some recommendations, like you know, in, in early on in the writing of, of like getting like good-looking guys to play this role, and that would not work. Like there's, there has to be this vulnerability, this like silliness, this goof thing where you sort of feel for this guy, and you really don't believe this guy, but he's still going there. Right. He's still going there. And so when Malia Renee came in and she stood up to him, and she, he was nervous around her. Right. Or whatever dynamic that was, but she, that <laughs> I can tell you what that dynamic is. That I go, oh my gosh, this yeah. is the find of the movie. Like I, I'm casting this girl, and then she was in it, and it turns out that he'd given her the script months before, and they were running lines uh. together. <laughs> and but whatever, you she got was the performance, great. you got the I, vibe. I think if it, you know, like she could, she's gonna have an amazing career like like i i look at her in the movie and it, it like i go that's that's my the find of the movie like everyone knows brian and Paget, but like that was like the unknown really hadn't done anything and like just hit a home run with it so what was the first of potentially many moments throughout this process where you woke up in a flop sweat and we're reaching for the towel to throw it in. Did it happen during production? Was it pre-pro? I mean, it was it was pre-production. Uh, when you're making an, like an independent movie, it's it's it, it's a disaster, to, you know. And and it's also I'm working a job. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm working in advertising, and I'm trying to balance this because like there needs to be more money coming in. I'm getting my money coming in from my job, and I'm putting it right into the movie. And so you know, we try to go in pilot season. None of the cast could do it in pilot season. And then you get into the production, and there were permitting issues. And you know, you have you know, when you're dealing with crew, you know, who are not making money either. You're dealing with crew issues and actor issues. The actors, you know, this and that. And it's it's a hundred degrees, and we're in Pasadena, and there's a tent over the house because it's supposed to be Cleveland, and there's right. no air conditioning conditioning on i'm 300 pounds like i'm gonna die like i i don't know if i'm making it out of this house right it, it, i had a beard down to my belly like i it was it was i i didn't know if i can make it out of this house and it wasn't until i rapped that it was like okay 
let's let's figure this out like i didn't have any post-production lined up i didn't have an editor lined up i didn't have anything it was just like get through production and then figure it out right and then like then once it once i was out of production you know I'd interviewed with producers before and I was like, this may take a few years to edit because I'm not going to come out with a bad movie. I'm going to see this movie through. I'm not just going to like spend all this time and stuff and just put out a bad product. This is like film. This is around forever. This isn't just forgotten about like a TV show. This is going to be around. And so like, I'm going to see this through. And, and it, it, it took, you know, uh, Neil Mahoney was the first editor who did, you know, Drunk History and Kay and Peele, and he did a round on it. Then he had to go jump off and do Kay and Peele. And then uh, my other editor, Kimberly Hassett, went out, and she was on for like almost two years of every day refining this and doing it. And as a first-time filmmaker, like I really didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I had a few strategies not to fuck up. And one of them was shoot, shoot, and shoot more. I shot more scenes and more coverage than you'll ever, ever fucking need. I could do like a dozen movies. You'd have out, three I, Criterion collections out of it. And... It's like, I know that I got to keep shooting. And that's like a, that's like a famous first uh, director thing is like, you don't know what you're doing. And, so, and then there's one scene that's in the car um, where they sort of get together uh, yeah. and that's yeah. one take and that's like a three minute scene it's my favorite scene and we did it in an hour and everything else took like a week you know, right. to do well, but you knew exactly what that scene needed to yes. be though because it's a pretty important scene and then also I, I, I built in a voiceover because I was like if it all fails, I could piece this together with a voiceover and being like a Christmas story. And so that was my second failsafe. And then my third one was I know how to do documentaries. I worked for the documentarian Errol Morris for a long time, who's also an executive producer on the movie. And I go, I know how to do documentaries. So Mike and I crafted this whole sort of baseball, 10 cent beer night sort of narrative to sort of tie this all together. And that was the third thing where if I build this in, I won't fail. And so I had these foundations of stuff that was in there where I tried to maneuver around that, you know, would help me. And in the end, it really was what got me through this. It was like building in these fail safes where mm -hmm. I'm, I know I can do this. Right. And, so, and I never worked with actors before, before this. You know, no, you worked with, with basic cable talent. You worked with hosts <laughs> reading your jokes you, into a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, if you would have known what the undertaking was going to be, if you sat down to look at the ten thousand foot view of the entire process, you might not have even gone. Right into now, it. I I may not do it, but like I'm getting like I've been on this now for five years, and yeah. this it came out last Friday. It's on VOD right now, iTunes, Amazon, uh, on demand, Directv, Vimeo, Vudu, yeah, whatever. It's also it. playing in some theaters, right? Uh, it's in some theaters, but it's going out of theaters. It's really a VOD release. UncleNickMovie.com and. Uh, if I knew, I mean, this is the first week it's been out, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm wrapping up almost everything, the accounting, all of it's getting wrapped up. This is the first week where I'm like motivated to do another project because I've learned so much through this project where I'm yeah. like, all right, like I want to go. The past five years, I've been in, I've been being in this spiral of it. I can't even think of anything else other than this. And how does this feel though? I mean, it came out last Friday. Yeah, it came out. It's weird. Is it, is it I bittersweet? Wish, I, I wish I could be like, I'm loving this. Well, that's what I want to get. Yeah, because no. it must be. It must be it's, a it's whole. It's bitter. It's it, it's not. It's not like I'm like like I I'm 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 hungrier now. I'm like more motivated now. Like now I see. Oh, I know how to do that now. Before it was like I want to be a director. I want to do this. And then until you fucking do it, until you get down there, and even people who like you are sort of in the business, you know, like oh, I'm going to direct. Well, you have no idea what it's like until it's all on your shoulders and you're seeing it through, you know. And 
I wish I was happier right now, but I, I sort of think it's good. I think, I think there's this hunger now. Now I'm ready. Uh, I'm like, I'm, even if it's another movie or a TV show, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there for the first time in five years where I'm like, let's go again. You want to run the whole thing or would you want to just direct or just write or just produce? No, I would, I, I want to be in control. The whole thing. I want, that's, yeah. That's great, I mean, man. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's, that's sort of where, you know, the going through, you learn all the hard lessons and you're like, I want to do this. Like, I want to go through and do this. Well, if you were able to, if you had X to accomplish Y and Y is a film that was actually fucking released that is getting good reviews and getting good yeah. reception, then imagine what you can do when you have Z, which exactly. hopefully is a variable that has more resources than X in this little algorithm that we're doing. There's like, a, your second dance should be way better. You know the steps. Yeah. There's a real fucked up audience out there for my movie. Like, it is this small... <laughs> when I was making it... They're listening. I, I was like, I'm making it for one theater at midnight, like, like years down the road, who are actually like super fans of this, because... It is if you put this on with your family, if you put Uncle Nick on with your family, your mom will make you turn it off within five minutes. <laughs> and I was like, I'm making it for that guy who puts it on for right. his family, for your friends, for you to go out there. The really the opposite of what Christmas movies you've seen. See, I feel like you did a huge favor to guys like me who have no way to um, easily, conveniently, casually, non-threateningly bring up the topic of wanting to fuck my stepniece. So like, I'll just throw that on after Christmas vacation and be like, what about this one, guys? How do we feel about the subject matter? How do we feel about the uncle? It's, you did me a huge solid. Uh, it's out, and you when, when you when you refresh iTunes or Amazon or any of the instant yeah. stores, what's that feeling, though, of knowing that you live with it for five years, that you were physically... Emotionally, mentally, a completely different person. Is that all you can see? I still see the problem. Is where, oh, I wish I'd have filmed it this way. I wish the timing would have been or different. That line should have been different. Why isn't the second alternate trailer on iTunes right now? What, oh, that. Uh, like, or why isn't this there? Why isn't that there? And then like, in the glimpses, I, you know, I, I downloaded the movie trying to you know, boost the chart kind of thing. I mean, my one download. And I, and I, I uh, went to a Korean cyber yeah. cafe and I uh, downloaded 12 copies on and 12 machines. I, I see the, I see the you know, two shots. I'm like, oh, the color slightly off on that and then i try to bring it up to like the producer and like they they like get really mad they're why like, are the producers getting mad because they're tired of me <laughs> <laughs> they're tired of the whole this whole the war of attrition is over speech i'm giving you there they've heard this every day for five years sure they're just real tired it's it's rebecca ham and leslie lucy who i adore they're my producers at work they they do the advertising the branded content i do and like i adore them but they've I'm really hard to work with, and they really like, like they're still nice to me, sort of. Like, have I there been like, blow-ups at the end about like releasing so, and blow, there's blow-ups every day. Really, there's over what? Every now? day, over what? I, I mean, what like, was the last blow-up? MySpace followers. <laughs> what are you getting arguments over? I get, I, I mean, I, I, I get in arguments like sometimes, you know, I get frustrated because this is all on my shoulder, right? It's right. all my thing. It says like Chris Kasich company. Sure. It's not, doesn't say like anybody else's company or whatever kind of thing. And it, it felt like it's all on my shoulders. I mean, I have partners in this. Don't get me wrong. Like, like Bo Ballinger is, is, is a partner. Uh, Mike Dembski is a partner. The producers are a partner in this. It's all a partner. But like, it came down to me doing it. And you know, you get overwhelmed sometimes, and then you sort of lash out. And so I'm like screaming sometimes. I'm 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 loud. Like I I, I get in fights about like you know. I mean, it was it was the worst during the editing, you know, and then trying to get like. Cuts well, because I'm sure it was out. done enough for everybody else, but not for you. Yeah. Based off of what you've been saying. 
Well, then I, you know, I took some personality tests recently, and I have some like type of personality where I, you know, I strive for perfection, and then it's unattainable, and and I just uh, that's when I, you started punching. I the react machine. negatively because I'll never be able to achieve that, and wow. then it makes me think I'm just like a miserable guy in the end, or whatever. And I try, then I talk to my therapist about it, and by she, throwing a chair at her and cracking her iPad over your knee, <laughs> I'll show you. I have the best. What does your therapist, therapist say? Where does that come from? This this all stems from uh, this idea of being checked out, right? Of like not of not you know when I was like overweight and mm -hmm. all of that, it, of just like letting things happen to you and not participating. You're in a. Well, bad... when did that start though? Because you just don't go to bed one night and then wake up the next day and you're well, overweight that, and that, checked that, out. That, that, it starts with family of origin and, and your parents and 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 trying to you know not replicate the same thing of your parent and like even like you know, issues that you have with your parents or you see in your parents, they may replicate in your life, but not in the same way, mm -hmm. you know, and it's something else. And it's just being conscious to this thing. Uh, the therapist always says to me, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I really believe that. Yeah. If you see someone like at work, who's like slacking, like I'm, I guarantee the relationship is slacking too, you know, like, and so it's, it's really like, how, and I and I learned that in this process of making this movie. Like I felt like I was even like Attack of the Show days. Like I I w I regret that I wasn't more like pushing, involved, and this and that. I I or appreciated it or like you know like I did one. You I wrote, both. I did like like one sketch that like I directed the whole time I was there. I was like, what the fuck was I doing? Right. Like I had a studio. I had money. I had art department. I had like actors. You know like. Why wasn't I? What was I doing? What was I? What was I leaving at? You know, five o'clock. What was I going to go home to like drink? Like, what was I doing? Yes, the answer is yes. That's yeah. what you were doing. You were going home to drink. And it's like, the older you get, you know, the the more you you realize that those moments are going to go away unless you you're in that moment. Like right now, you're in a moment. And I, do you realize that? Like, this is the first time I walked in here, and you have like this. Thing going on here. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's awesome. It's new and it's exciting, and I'm trying to harness the the mistakes that were made earlier, yeah. the lessons learned there. I'm really trying to harness all those and put them into whatever this endeavor this may grow is to be. So much better what you're doing than walking around saying you have CAA as an agent or whatever, <laughs> and that you're going to meetings with like. Oh, they hate this because they don't get a percentage of whatever's yeah, happening here. Like that, that'll lead you nowhere. That'll right. lead you to be phased out when you're 50 years old and you start balding. You know, like this is something where you're crafting something. I left. I left and spent three and a half years begging for permission and validation from a lot of different people. And while, while giving the advice to anybody that would ask, just go do it. You don't need anybody's permission. There's the, the lines are blurred. Go make a thing. You want to make a thing? Go fucking make a thing. Go figure out how to make a thing. And if you don't have the resources to make the exact thing that you want, fine. Go make something else, build the resources, and then go make that yeah. thing. And I'm handing out this advice left and right to people while going into rooms and trying to explain who I am yeah. and be like, I used to be a person that did a thing that was kind of remarkable Pitching to some web soup across town. Basically. You know, and I'm like, why what am I why don't I just fucking go do something? And that turned it overnight into whatever this is going to be. Which no matter how this plays out now, the mentality and the lessons learned mean like I will have grown for it, hopefully had a good time along that ride and therefore there's no such thing as failure in this operation what why because because what is it it's an it's an accumulation of experiences which are hopefully yeah. joyous you know hopefully you're having a good time and lessons learned and if you learn something along the way that's fine
I didn't know you were doing this. Like, I saw it, like, uh, how long have you been doing this show? This, well, Pointless I've been doing for a while. I remember that. Yeah. And then, is right, like, 100 plus episodes Was this now. a morning show? What is this? It still is. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, okay. Alex over there behind the ones Hi, and Alex. twos, and sometimes Evan, who was around yeah. here, you met Evan. Yeah. They're, like, kind of the hosts of a morning show that, that we do. It's very community access and very single cam, but, you know, it's growing. It's 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 where you should be. Yeah, it is. It's 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 your space. Oh, it's well. It's the like, inmates are running the asylum here. I'm off still doing true TV shows to try to pay for this place, <laughs> but the inmates are running it, and that's the greatest thing because that was what helped me grow, and that was why I hung out at G4 for so long is that I was given just enough rope. I have a question for you. All right, who, back on the agenda. Who who have you worked with mm-hmm. that you've looked up to? Oh, a lot of people. Like, who do you look at and be like, wow, that person like. Like creatively or business wise, kind of thing that like like that like you like I want to sort of emulate that. Uh, business wise, Charles Hershorn, who was the original founder of G Four, hundred percent. The man is just he 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 plays chess on a level that I'm, I I put a checker piece down on the board and he's already folding it up. He's like, dude, it's checkmated. Like he's he's got a very amazing business mind. Like well, like. The, the, the net, he starts networks, right? That was his whole thing. He was like, I want to start, I think it was, it was either five or seven, but it was like, I want to start five or seven cable networks wow. in the next 10 years was what he said he wanted to do. And he did just that. And like, that was, like, he did just that. That was like the time when they were starting cable. And he was like right there at the beginning yeah. of that. Oh, he did G4. Helped then he did like the retirement living that thing. Regime, yeah. Which is over with, by the way, the, the whole launch. It, like uh, He'll be the first to tell you. It would make no sense. When I read like, like Jennifer Lopez is buying Fuse or whatever the hell know, she bought. I'm like, crazy. what are you doing? It's dead space on a non-existent dial. It's so crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's so dead. Like any cable, like, like, it's so funny it? to watch the, the 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 dinosaurs that are sinking into the ground that are slowly going to be fossil fuel for the next generation. To watch them lash out and grasp at like trying to geofence a thing or add DRM to a thing or do their own streaming thing while everybody else is streaming over here. It's like it's funny to watch that old media tap dance. But what's interesting is that they have so much fucking money that they can get away with it for right now. They can still push i think it's very close to be and it's gonna take someone like like the south park guys or something some like two guys who who have it and have it nailed that go totally independent with it you know like louis ck puts out his albums like yeah and 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 create that monster hit show that is totally independent of everything and we're we're it's it's gonna happen yeah i mean i would argue that within the next few years i would argue that that's happening on multiple platforms right now that from you know from what full screen is doing with you know rooster teeth and the funhouse guys and mm-hmm. like to, to that audience they're making stuff that is impacting on a level that the same way the walking dead would yeah. or whatever or the what grace helbig's doing with her channel or any of those yeah, th- totally. th- youtube cats like seeing that that's exactly what's happening right now um and the fact that netflix and hulu are now competing what the what was it the, the golden what what just came out the golden globe nominations or whatever who cares just came well yes <laughs> Yes, and in the comedy category or whatever, yeah. there was not a traditional outlet to be found. No, no. Fuck them, you know. Uh, I don't say fuck them necessarily. They're pivoting. They're gonna be pi- they're gonna be powering a lot of this stuff, man. Uh-huh. They're gonna it's there will there will be five years late to the game, but they'll have enough money in the in the fucking war chest to go and compete. NBC's just now launching all their SVOD networks. Their comedy one's gonna launch. They're gonna have ten more by the end of this uh, by the end of 2016, supposedly. 
So everybody is racing in that direction as so well. So is your idea to, of starting all of this is so you could be the next Charles Hershorn and be at the beginning of this? And be no, 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 no. He's, he's just business-wise, he's one of those cats. But like on, on a different level, working with like Sandeep Parikh on Real Housewives of Horror and watching him run a set with minimal resources, yet be so engaged and write funny shit and direct it and have a good eye for it and see it through in post. Like seeing him was very inspiring. So... This is um, this is a beta test of something. Doing what we do here on Twitch, it makes all the sense in the world and no fucking sense whatsoever. Because we're doing a variety show on a platform that really seems to only care about like video games yeah. in general. And so, are we the first? Usually, the first wave to crash has it the hardest, right? And then they erode a little bit, and the sand gets a little softer. <laughs> the rocks go away, and the soil's a little more accommodating. <laughs> we might be that first wave. <laughs> you know, some would argue that the early broadcasters on Twitch that did gaming stuff, they were the first wave, and we're the second. I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I know that we got a cool space. People seem to be smiling. We're making some stuff that people are watching and supporting on Patreon and helping out. So, again, what's the, what's the most it can't rewarding, be failure. What's the most rewarding part about all this? Right now? Yeah, right uh, now. To watch Alex. Seriously. And that's not like an Uncle Nick oh, way. It's me. to watch him. Yeah, he's, he's a young talent who's figuring it out, who's learning how to produce and write and, and navigate things. So and, then, and then here. I got Carlos, who's over here, who just wanted to like set up webcams and run wires, and now he's closing business deals for us. Like bringing in sponsorships. That's awesome. On his own accord. Like he's just chasing it. Yeah. And that's amazing. And so one of the things that I say a lot is, A, I wanted this to have a nonprofit motive. Um, when I came back from Peru, that was one of my big things. Like 10% of all proceeds need to go back. And yeah. we did that right away and then had to stop because we realized, oh, we'll be dead in two months if we continue this. I want to get back to that very quickly. We're on a path to doing it, which is great. Yeah. So that was one. And two was after leaving G4, oftentimes, you're right, it's easy to gripe about things and bitch about things, but I would never trade any of that experience for anything, right? It made me who I am. It was my boot camp. Yeah. I'm still friends to this day from that who I love and cherish. Um, but the one thing that rubs me wrong is that I had no ownership in any of it. And I didn't deserve it necessarily starting off because I was a fucking PA figuring shit out. But I wanted, you know, I wanted a piece they of it. They should have given it to you. When, when Olivia left, that show that was my pitch. That show should have been yours, and, and they should have made it your show. Your, I wanted it to be a late night show, show for the They internet. should have given you a desk, and they try to replicate you yeah. know something that couldn't be replicated but that's just mismanagement you know yeah it's fine it, yeah. it, it was my pitch and that was when yeah. i started that's when i checked out actually was but, when i was like look here's what i'd really like yeah, to do with it. this things here how it can grow but what i'm saying is like at this place the mistake that i will not make is letting people who who commit themselves the way i committed to g4 for many many years not necessarily towards the end but for many years I'll give them a piece of it. Yeah. And so that's the goal is that if I own enough of it, then I can start doling out percentages and let people know that wherever this grows, if you're on for the ride. You own all this? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, the building is, is like Greg Grunberg's yeah. and I, I lease from him and stuff. But, but the operation is my thing. I'm funding it. That's the way to do it, man. We'll see. That's the, I mean, but there's no failure. I say that to people. I know like it would suck if the doors closed and oh, we had to, yeah. you know, our 99 Designs logo got shredded. Wah. Like there's no failure. As long as we're all learning lessons and having a good time. That's the that to me but is the it, best takeaway. The, 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 I mean, relating it to the, to my film, like you know, when you're in the middle of it, sometimes there is failure. Oh, every day things, there's failure. Things not working. Every and stuff. day and there's now, failure. Now that the movie has been out, you know, for a week and stuff, and you know, it's like okay, like you realize what the experience is and, and it's a personal one. And maybe it's always a personal experience along the way. And the more connected you are to the experience, the truer the experience is and the better the content is. And maybe that's the secret. I don't know. We're in the middle of it right now. Right. But like this is exactly in the space you should be in. This yeah. is it. 
This no, is it, it. right. You could be in the middle of a forest, like but you're staring you said, at tree bark. I like what you said about Alex, like and and, and like that idea. The, that idea, <laughs> Alex, of, shut the fuck of up. Seeing him, like that's a very mature response from you. You wouldn't have said that if, when I knew you at Attack of a Show. What, people change. What? People grow. I know. Man. People mature. It's crazy. It's been a long journey. Yeah. Uh, boy, and it, we're, we're, we say it as if we're at the finish line with the ticker tape pressing no. against our chest, and we've had every little sippy of Gatorade from no, the Dixie Cup. Oh, we're two Cup. losers. No. <laughs> two losers. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fuck that. We're still breathing, buddy. We're still making shit and doing shit. That's where you need to be. Yes. That's it. That's like, That's not losing at all. No, I know. I'm joking. Yeah, that's a W. That's my Uncle Nick. Yeah, I hear you. No, that's the that I actually don't give myself enough credit, kind of thing. But yeah, no, that is winning. That's where you need to be, and and, and doing your own thing, and having it ride on you, and doing yeah. and just experiment. And we're in the Coliseum. No it's easy to sit in the bleachers Dude. and shit on everything, but we're in the Coliseum. I and whether they're getting slayed or not, we have we dared to step into the arena. My dream is to when this all fails, is to move <laughs> to some mountain town and open a cheese shop called the Milky Way, and I'll just sit there on a bar stool. Every day, and I'll eat cheese. <laughs> You'll whittle cheese. Yeah. Just blocks and of just it. Just eat it, and mm. it'll clog up my arteries. But, you know, I'll go jogging in the morning, and hopefully it'll all balance Look, out. I think about Every that. journey begins with a single step, and from what I heard about your day today, <laughs> you're on that path, my friend. <laughs> yeah, man, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, can you have, you have five minutes to take some questions from Twitch? Who's watching live? Can we do that? Yeah, let's, let's start the Olivia question. Guys, if you have questions for... Um, I had to, I'm, I, I'm seeing somebody tonight, and they're blowing up my phone, and now I'm concerned. Bring them that, here. Uh, we'll sit them down no, we're here. Good. We're good. This we're is good. actually a fun. great idea. What is? Like, seeing people on camera. Like, <laughs> man. Walk them in. Someone should make a thing. You know, cameras and sound, and let's see what happens. Do you feel like you got your Olivia agenda across? Or are there I more? didn't have an more? agenda with her. It's, you have no, to, but you did say there, I was, saw, there was stuff you the, wanted the, to talk the about. The thing is because... It's, it's, it's precarious for me because, like I said, if, if anybody's going to have that discussion, it should be me and her. So I don't want to blow up her spot or expose that. But I also want to make sure... But you guys were the face of what a lot of people are really proud of, you know? And, yeah, and, I'm proud of what we did and together. It's, and, and when there's like... You know, you get, you feel like it's like there's a disconnect right. going on. Why are mom know? and dad fighting? In a way, they made yeah. such beautiful kids. I, have, I, I really like. I have such fondness for both of you, kind of thing. And like, and so, and I, like I said, what we did was special. I thought it still you is. Know? It still is. The nature of our our current relationship status on Facebook or lack thereof does not negate how special everything was by any stretch. But I get it. I know a lot of people would like that, and maybe someday that will be a thing. Yeah. Maybe. It's weird. It's, it's, it is what it is. Is it weird? Who would have thought that she would have gotten so famous? When, when I, like, oh, I when, wouldn't have doubted it. I, like, yeah, but when you're in it and you know, like, I've never known someone to get that famous. You know, like, like she was so hungry and, like, so. But, but I would, Chris Hardwick, who came yeah. on as, like, he was just no, coming on to review a gadget and, and Gavin came out to the studio. I'll never out. forget. He came out after his review and Gavin's like, what'd you think? And I was like, he's awesome. He, we just, let's have him back next week. He's, he's like, a, yeah. He's about to. He's a fucking mogul. Heist the Nerdist flag on top of Hearst Castle right now. It's going to be sailing like the Mario Nerdist. Like Mario raising it at the end of the level. The fireworks are going to go Nerdist off. Nerdist we, uh, Who was it? We, flag. Was it, was it Blair Herder? Someone was telling me they were like, uh, oh, I went and visited. Uh, 
I went and visited uh, Hearst Castle, and Chris was like, yeah, it's cool. You know, we stayed there a couple weeks ago. And he's like, oh, did you guys do the tour with the... Oh, wait a minute. You stayed there, because that's like her fucking house. No, they, you slept there. The Got fam- it. My understanding of it is like when, when uh, the Hearst family gave it to the state, mm-hmm. that they can use it whenever they want. They totally can. And they, they, he did a bunch of photos there. They went out there with like that. Tyler Shields and did a bunch of photos at the diner table. and Like, <laughs> the, dining, like the dining table Move and like swimming around. in. Yeah, man. Right? Nerdist offices. Just do it. <laughs> Nerdist Industries. From the Hearst Manor comes Nerdist Industries. But, like, yeah, that no, exact that meteoric rise. Too. It's yes. amazing. Chris blew up. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, it's seeing that. I mean, it's, it's crazy witnessing it when someone you work with so closely and, and seeing how they do it. Right. And it's just, I hear it every day about me. People are like, Kevin, I can't believe you spiraled into irrelevancy because it looked like for a second there you were going to do something. I'm like, I know. I know. No, no one's saying that. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay if they are. There was a point in my life where that might have that might have nagged me or kept me up at night, but I'm past that. I'm good now. Do people compare you to Hardwick? No, I don't think so. Maybe they do. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do. I wouldn't. No. I mean, what insofar as like, oh, look what look what talent and work ethic can do for you. <laughs> and, look at, and then there's Kevin. <laughs> no. He sure does love his ecstasy, though. <laughs> Fire off some questions, Sir Korea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everyone always talks about AOTS being a shit show. Was there ever a moment it wasn't that you felt okay? Is that, I, I think that's to you, but I feel, I maybe it's like, an all-play. I felt like the live events felt good. We fucking own. Not a, not a Comic-Con or an E3 goes by. And there are plenty yeah. of cats covering it in great ways with... with Big multi-hour, great guests, blah blah blah. Like that, that, that void half been filled. But despite that, not an event goes by that I don't get a deluge of tweets yeah. from folks saying like, "Man, I miss it. No one did it like you did." That was special. Yeah, I thought. that was. They were when it was hitting on all cylinders, and then you'd be, you know, every show was building up to that. And we everyone, owned yeah. those spaces. We owned them, and, and not was... only did we cover it like anybody else would, but we also did amazing comedy, yeah. great field sketches, hard yeah. interviews. Like we. We owned those conventions. Those were, I mean, I still go to Comic-Con, and it's just like that missing thing. Right. You know? like, I'm surprised no one has come in and done it. I guess Conan, it. Conan was trying to do it, but he wasn't there live on the floor. No. It's It'll get thing, done. Man. It'll get done. That, our 420 special, too. <laughs> I look forward to those every year. <laughs> I like the live events. Was there a, a particular sketch or a particular monologue or particular something that either... Well, I know you're not you're not proud of the Katrina one, whatever that one was, which I'm sure someone could dig up. But is there one where you're like, oh yeah, that was it? Well, I mean, from a macro view, just sort of how uh, around the net came into what it was was that was special to me, like because the top of the show was different every day. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was like, hey, here's a website, this is cool, you know. And then like Gavin came in and was like, we're doing this and we're formatting it, and then like. I was like, we're, let's count it down and let's do it and let's build it up and let's do sketches on that. And just sort of like everything that happened within that, that small little, I mean, that should have been the show. Right. And like, like that, if we, that, and there were so many different shows within attack of the show. Oh, totally. Like that was a show. There was a hard interview the show. Was, there was a media was a review show. show. There was, and it was all trying yeah. to like, you know, there was a mess. Right. That's what I loved about it though. I loved that. I fucking love that chaotic brain part of like, you know, yeah. okay, we gave you the Tosh. Well, actually, he kind of stole it from us, but what? Uh, we gave you the videos up top with the silly comedy, yeah. and then you never knew like what was coming around the corner, a package on the, the Gulf oil spill, an interview with Ron Paul from The Loop, or is it two old men reviewing asses 
you know, like, and at the booty at sketch the or whatever. Like you never know. Is it Jeremy talking about his dragon corner or uh-huh. Chris uh-huh. Gore talking about DVDs? I kind of like that scatterbrainedness, but yeah, it was all over. Yeah, it would have been the best. I still like if we didn't have restrictive archaic cable agreements, that being a YouTube channel or a series of podcasts totally. would have absolutely found an audience there. It was just there was that it was the crossover I mean, was happening. What Chris did with Nerdist, you know? Oh, for like, sure. Took it and, and, and ran with it. Yeah. I mean, he was doing it, but like, yeah, like that world creating it, you know? Mm. 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 We're like too Fire old. away, Alex. Vietnam vets. We got our canes. Uh, Uncle Poop asks, uh, what was the best thing uh, Chris took from G4 and AOTS? Stole? <laughs> yeah, office supplies. I have like a box of Attack of the Show t-shirts still. I probably have like 50 of them. <laughs> I don't wear them. They're in my garage. <laughs> I, I think you meant like lessons. Oh. <laughs> um, that the work's going to get done. That, you know, uh, it was, it was a, you're, we were on, it was, it was a schedule and that schedule I've never had a day that was so formatted and when when you when you fall out of that format it's hard and so it's about sort of this schedule when you're on a live show every day and like you know you have your, your morning meeting you have your your writing time you have your uh, talent your lunch and you're meeting with talent and creating this you're texting away over there I, I am I'm telling this person that I'm in the middle of a podcast I need to go but I'm listening no that's okay no it's 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 about schedule and that it's going to get done. Gonna you're get you're done. really interested in what was going on I'm there. Sort of. This is me getting chastised for like, hey, I'm at your place. Where are you? And I'm like, oh, I thought we were meeting at seven. Oh shit! Speech bubbles and all sorts of madness is happening there. Oh so wow, how fun! Fine. We had our hour. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, oh man. You got another? You got another fastball over there, Alex? Or are we wrapping this? Uh, no, they're all pretty in depth. I mean, we could do. Was there anything on AOTS? Preferably a recurring bit that you really didn't think was that good. <laughs> oh man, um, I never liked like the the cut packages. Like you, you know, it's like the it's effing science. Like like when we cut to just like in the second VO half of and the show, I never. I thought that took us out of the of the live aspect of it. And it was just cheap, and they would make like an associate producer do it and. Uh, I always thought that was cheap. So, and then, like, any of the that VO kind of packages that they would roll in, you know? Bruce Green's heart just shattered. Just exploded. No, he did the tech pieces. reviews. I thought the tech reviews were really good. Tech reviews were good. I thought he did was... some F in science, I believe. I oh. thought he did. Maybe he didn't. No. That's not it's nothing personal, is it? <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it. I <laughs> thought you, I thought you should be in the studio interviewing people. Yeah, the, the ebb and flow of that show at times. It didn't make sense to that, have to that out. stuff. I didn't like the field packages so much. I thought they were fun to do, but I never was really such a fan of like like taking yourself out. Did you like of any studio. of the show? I really okay. I really liked the bits in the studio and the green screen stuff, and I liked the comedy sketches. I thought those were really good, yeah. um, and I thought the, the the interviews were actually really good. And we did like, good when interviews. you would sit and, and interview people and let them talk, but when you took the people outside of the world that you're creating it was jarring to me I, mm. yeah. I don't disagree yeah I don't disagree Uncle Nick UncleNickMovie.com <laughs> Brian Posehn the anti-Christmas movie Uncle Nick movie 
com. It's out right now. People can grab it there. It's weird. Grab it at any site. It's weird talking about Attack of the Show all the time, though, isn't it? Like, do you talk about it a lot, or is it just like? Someone, when, I mean, whenever someone comes yeah. on who worked on it, sure, that's the topic of conversation. But hmm. uh, but no, outside of that, not a ton. But I mean, look, the show is this this Twitch channel is called The Attack. Like, I mean, clearly. I have, <laughs> I guess. I got one note. I'm going to play it as loud as I can. <laughs> so I'm happy to talk about it. I'm okay with that. It's a part of my history. People always go like, are you tired of talking about it? I was like, no, that's like, I love that it resonates. Like dare to dream in this world that you will ever be part of anything that will resonate with anyone on any level whatsoever. Preferably a positive one. No, that's true. And I'm like, that mission's accomplished. No, I, There's still other missions I want totally to accomplish, true. but like, holy shit, we're going to be a trivial pursuit wedge piece answer on some millennial edition that's going to come out or whatever like that's, that's giving that's yourself amazing. a lot of credit no we will no, no it's no trivial way. pursuit does not have the credit it does not have it'll the be same what was olivia munn's variety show that that's fine if i'm started and if i'm three down that's okay we did it it takes a village <laughs> uh uncle nick people can go they can watch it watch they can it rent now. it they can rent buy it. it yeah get it it's pretty good and get it put it on for your family yeah for grandma Put it on a thumb drive and bring it to Graham. Graham, what's next? Uh, I'm writing some stuff right now, uh, jumping into something, uh, and then I do advertising too. So oh, you're still lot. doing that? I do branded content and advertising and corporate. You uh, a gun for hire? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's a living. It paid for you know my movie, so like you know, but uh, you know, it's a it's a transitional phase. The movie's out, and now it's the next chapter. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> you got to come back when that ink is on the page. Let us right, know. Man. What is it? Another five years? Three years? No, we're, I'm going to turn around something quick now. Okay. I'm going for it. I I'm want just... you here. I want you here in six months to tell me that you're in production on a thing and it's uh, happening yeah. and it's going. No, I was checking out your space. I could shoot here actually. It's big. You have a big space. Uh, so I was like thinking about I can have a shoot here. Me spaces Sue Spesa. You got it, buddy. <laughs> Any day. How did Uncle this Nick go? Com. How did this go? Is this good? This was a solid three. Was this like a? This had moments of four. I don't know. What was the best moment of this one? Uh, well, I don't know. The best moment for the audience was probably you asking me about Olivia. That's going to be the best moment for them. But the best moment for me was hearing you talk about uh, pushing through yeah. Yeah, boundaries, making gains. The best doing... moment for me was seeing how you've grown and how you look, you know, the, the Alex kind of stuff. That was the best moment for oh. me. That was, a, that, that was a personal growth I saw in you Thanks, in this buddy. thing. That's what I... Well, thanks, man. Yeah. All right, Uncle Nick movie. Let's get out of here. You got some. You got someone at your house. No, but I love that. I love that. I love the transition of you. And you're like, I got this. I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and host this. So go ahead and wrap it up and thank the patrons and the Twitch viewers, please. I mean, this is this is the attack with Kevin Pereira. I'm uh, Chris Kasich, and that's been the show for today. I hope you guys. I can't believe you're sitting there watching it. And if you are, that's like totally fucking awesome. Uh, go to UncleNickMovie.com and get my movie. Uh, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, when will we be back? Uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. We'll, we'll be tomorrow. back. To, we'll be back tomorrow. Live show tomorrow. Doing this all over again. Talking about Attack of the Show again. Look, they love it. They, <laughs> Uncle Nick, real talk, spread the word, etc. I love this show. You did it. You did it. You're the new host. The next chapter. All right. Let me write for you. Let me put some racist, misogynist shit in your mouth and make you say it. <laughs> I love you, Chris. Thanks for coming out, man. Too, and congrats Kat. on the movie. It's a Thanks, good film. Man. I want to see the new version because the one that I saw was older, too. Thanks, but I, I enjoyed it. So No, it's been awesome. Congrats. Like, that is not it. an easy fucking yeah. feat. Thanks, man. Yeah. That, like, literally, I went from working with you to doing this. Like, I haven't had much of a gap. So, like, this is like... Take a breather. Yeah. 
and we'll have another conversation at a Casa Vega over some margaritas, and we'll tell some real stories, and then we'll be good. Let's go to Vegas again. Oh, fuck, man. That's the end of this. Kisses, hugs, and belly rubs. Good night, everyone. A thousand thank yous for listening and again for the continued support. Uh, you guys, I'm on the Snapchat game now. It's happening. It's getting real. It's heating up. I'm giving DJ Khaled a run for his dollars. Bless up. You can follow me at Attack Snap on Snapchat. Again, that's Attack Snap. Of course, I'm on Instagram at Kevper, K-E-V-P-E-R. Or the easiest, simplest thing, of course, is over on the old Twitter sphere. I'm at Attack. I appreciate all the liking, subscribing, the positive reviews on iTunes. All of that helps me out so, so much. And I can't, literally cannot do this without all of you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. New episodes starting up soon. Kisses, hugs, and belly rubs. Good night, everyone.